Welcome to Gross Point Blank. I am Josh Gross, joining you on The Athletic. A happy new year. Happy 2020 to you. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've had a chance to chat. Lots going on in the mixed martial arts world. Of course, 2019 wrapped in all sorts of fun ways. Uh, good New Year's out there in Japan. The PFL closed on New Year's Eve. We saw Bellator out in Hawaii. Um, lots to wrap up, uh, of course, as well as the UFC with Kamaru Usman and all those guys competing. Um, but, you know, we're going to look forward to 2020 now because uh, this is going to be a major year in mixed martial arts, I think, for a lot of different reasons. I compiled some thoughts, some questions, some predictions. So 20 ideas leading into 2020. You know, what's the year going to look like? What's going to feel like? Uh, you know, I, I think there's lots of things to consider. No guests this week. Just want to give you that up front. It's just you and me. Uh, appreciate the chance to chat with you heading into the new year. And as always, uh, thank you for listening and taking the time to uh, participate. So, you know, I, I imagine there's lots of people, lots of lists, lots of things going on. You know, what what's going to go on the new year? It's the new decade. Everything's Everybody wants to predict everything. So I've got a couple predictions in here, but this is mostly questions and thoughts. Some trends that have been playing out for a while, I want to sort of acknowledge some fighters that have been around the game for a long time, sort of where are they at? Some trends that seem like, well, you know, that's that's definitely been heading that direction. Is it going to continue or not? Some promotions that look like they are headed for big things, but perhaps maybe not. Some promotions that may come out of nowhere. I, I don't know that any of us really know what the year is going to look like. But a lot of us are sort of thinking about it, aren't we? And we're sort of trying to wrap our minds around so much that this sport has become. I mean, look at all the fights that happen now on a regular basis, okay? The UFC is promoting a boatload of fights. And if you just wanted to follow the UFC alone, you could, right? You could make the UFC the only thing that you follow in mixed martial arts. I think, personally, of course, you'd be missing a lot. Uh, there's a much wider world than the UFC, the UFC is great for what it is. There's no doubt about that. They have many of the best fighters in the world, most of the best fighters in the world probably, but not all of them. There are a bunch that exist outside the UFC universe, and to me, they are worth watching. I think we saw that again at the end of 2019, the kind of MMA around the world that we've seen now continue to flourish even against you know, scandal and difficulty and uh, it's hard to sell tickets and it's hard to get an American audience to watch if you're an a international organization. All these sorts of things, these hurdles, don't seem to get in the way of the sport. They really don't. And I, I, I think it's going to be more of that trend, more growth, more expansion, more eyeballs, both here in North America and outside of the country, Canada, U.S., Mexico, where so much of our focus has been. All right, let me jump into this. There's no particular order. I just want you to know if it feels like I'm sort of jumping around from one thing to another. It's not like a list. I'm not counting down from 20 to 1. I'm not saying that, you know, 1 is the most important thing to pay attention to, but I, I'm my sense of it is that all of these will be things that throughout the year we interact with, we think about, we have to deal with, good, bad, whatever it is. Um, and so some of the things that I've been thinking about as we head into 2020. All right, the first one, obvious Conor McGregor is back. He's fighting on the 18th. We know this. He's fighting Donald Cerrone. Uh, the stakes are enormous, right? And so the question that I'm wondering, and I'm not, I'm not the only one. A lot of people wonder about Conor McGregor. But can Conor rebound? Okay? Can he rebound? And I think more importantly, does he need to? Does mixed martial arts, specifically the UFC, and I think you can like wrap up ESPN in that conversation, does Conor McGregor need to be healthy, viable, competitive, 
a face of the sport who's actively competing in order for mixed martial arts to reach the heights that it is capable of in 2020. That's something to think about. I, I think it doesn't it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, yes, everybody is better off if Conor McGregor is competing. He's not embroiled in controversy. He is just in the octagon, doing his thing, showing up, selling pay-per-views, being Conor McGregor, right? It's been a while. It, it feels like it's been a while since we sensed that about Conor, and, and for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's, it's one thing to see all the stuff that he's done outside of fighting, and he's got his whiskey brand, and he's got other things, and he's got court cases, and he's got rumors, and... Don't we just want to see the man compete? I think I think most people do. But but it's not the same as it was. It can't be. This is not 2016 again. We can't we can't sort of like we can't put the magic back in the bottle. Uh but the, you know, how much magic is there really? And more than anybody, I mean I can sit here and ask these questions, you can sit here and wonder as well, but I, more than anybody, the people at ESPN have to be wondering this because if Conor McGregor can translate a large pay-per-view number I think that validates their deal with ESPN. It says, hey, we can actually make this model work behind the ESPN Plus paywall. Uh, essentially, what they've been doing is paying the UFC a fee per event, per pay-per-view event, for a number of pay-per-views. Industry sources have told me that's about like 500000 So whatever the UFC would have gotten paid on 500000 pay-per-view buys in its previous deal, that's what UFC is guaranteeing up front. And it's been very difficult for UFC and ESPN to reach that number so far over the course of the deal. Conor McGregor comes along, throws a huge number up there. All of a sudden, a lot of people are relieved. A lot of people are relieved and feeling like, okay, we can, we can make this model work for us. And so that there's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure on McGregor doing what McGregor has done. Um, and, you know, that's, that, that's certainly something. And we'll know that answer really quickly here. I think, you know, one of the things, a lot of things will unfold over the next 12 months. This one we'll know over the next two weeks, whether Conor McGregor's back, whether he beats Donald Cerrone. He's got to beat Donald Cerrone for any of the rest of this to work. And then he's got to throw a huge pay-per-view number up there. Um, I, I think certainly everybody's better off in this business if Conor McGregor's competing and doing what he wants to do. So if he does beat Cowboy, um, will Conor fight for a belt in 2020? I, it, it seems almost assuredly yes, but what kind of belt, right? Uh, is he going to fight for Khabib Nurmagomedov's lightweight championship? I mean, I, I don't know. It's not going to be before the summer, and it may not be Khabib. Of course, it could be Tony Ferguson. Um, but then what? Uh, he's fighting this fight at 170. I don't think a lot of us give a, give him a shot against the upper echelon at 170. I don't think he fares too well against a Kamara Usman or a, even a Colby Covington, quite honestly, uh, or a cast of characters, Leon Edwards, all these guys. I, I, I don't think I don't George Masvidal. I don't think it works out for him. But you mentioned Masvidal, and it's like there's that BMF thing, right? So if you think that that is a belt. And if you think it's something that the UFC is going to continue to use as a marketing leveraging tool, and you want to count that in this discussion, yeah, I think I think Connor fights for a belt in 2020. Is it a UFC championship belt? Maybe not. Now he says he wants gold. That's the most important thing to him. And and I like how he's talking about these things, right? Sort of framing it as a season. Uh, he's he's you know back on his game, the whole thing. That's all good news for us, and good news for Connor, quite honestly, more than anybody. If he's sincere and serious and puts his best foot forward, good things usually happen for Conor McGregor. Uh, and so I'm expecting him, if he, beats Donald, if he beats Donald Cerrone, he will fight for a belt in 2020. 
And next one here, away from the UFC universe, away from Conor McGregor, but I, I think uh, could be one of the biggest stories of 2020. It certainly has looked like it's heading this direction. Nothing is signed, sealed, delivered, but I would expect major mixed martial arts to be back on network television in the U.S. I think CBS and Viacom and Bellator are going to do business together, and it totally makes sense. And I think we'll see beyond that partnership, we could see Showtime get back in the mixed martial arts space and above and beyond that. So um, if that happens, what does that mean? Uh, I, I think it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for, for Bellator as a promotion on its own, right? The amount of exposure, the fighters that they can uh, showcase, the, all those sorts of things that they've done largely on Paramount Networks, which people don't watch, or Zone, which is behind the paywall and is not the largest audience, all of a sudden they are exposed to free television audiences across the U.S. and uh, are playing in a much, much larger field. So I've had people sort of talk to me about this idea and call it like a sea change. It would be a massive moment for Bellator and perhaps a huge uh, moment for mixed martial arts in the U.S., um, I think that remains to be seen, but I, I don't want to diminish this much more beyond that. I, I think this would be a big deal, and I would expect it to happen. Um, next in line here, uh, similar in terms of media rights and you know making or breaking, but 2020 is a massive year for the PFL, and we're coming off a strong finale for them. Their ratings were good on ESPN, too. Uh, I think we've seen them with the signing of Rory McDonald's say their intentions of moving forward, signing fighters that people know, wanting to create tournaments and seasons that are relevant and meaningful. Um, And so now is sort of put up, shut up, make or break time. I think 2020 is a big deal for them. Uh, Their media rights deal uh, is up. It is something that uh, is already in discussions between them and ESPN. And I I would think that if that gets done, that is going to be a deal that benefits PFL in a lot of ways. And, and, and it's really got to. It's really got to. I think, uh, you know, they do some good things. And I, I've enjoyed both finales from season one and season two. And I, I think they've paid off in real ways, not just for the fighters who have made a million bucks, but just as a viewing experience. If you've been invested in the PFL, uh, and even if you haven't and you sort of just tune in late into the final scenario, uh, I, I think it's I think it's been solid. I, 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 I You'd be hard-pressed to make an argument that I would buy to say that those seasons haven't really delivered. Um, Now, if they can up the quality of the fighters throughout the tournament at large, including some name recognition, that'll go a long way in sort of sealing the idea that PFL is here, it's relevant, and it's something that you should be watching and not just sort of hearing me talk about or catching a glimpse here or a glimpse there, but actually paying attention to over the course of the season. So this this is a big year for the PFL, um, and, and I think that's a story that, that people will be talking about. Expect to hear some something about that maybe middle of the year, or, you know, sometime in the fall, uh, about the the fate of the PFL on ESPN and, and what the organization is doing moving forward. Another trend that I've talked about a lot, and I think I'm not alone in this, and it's obvious and it's a great thing, uh, is the rise of African mixed martial arts. Uh, forever African mixed martial arts was whatever was happening in South Africa. Uh, they had an organization there that existed and put on fights, uh, really weren't turning out fighters that were making it on the world stage, were doing anything in the UFC or Bellator or over in Japan. Uh, but now that is completely shifted, and we are seeing fighters from all areas around the continent of Africa make a name for themselves, do big things, 
And I think that trend uh, continues in massive ways. Uh, we've already seen fighters like uh, Israel Adesanya, who's got Nigerian background, Kamara Usman, also Nigerian. Uh, of course, Francis Ngannou, who's a French-Nigerian. I think all, all of these things really, really are meaningful. Um, but we're also talking about fighters who are going to get opportunities, like uh, Jorgen De Castro, who's fighting here against Greg Hardy coming up uh, in the first part of the year. You know, he's he's from a, the smallest, smallest corner of Africa. And when fighters like that start emerging onto the world stage, it just signals to me something that I've always felt about the sport. Um, that no matter where you're from, you have an opportunity to make a name for yourself as an individual through mixed martial arts. That's why I've never really attached the idea that the promotion is the thing that mattered most. I, 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 I don't, I guess there is power in that. And I think you can see that with certain fighters who may have had success in other venues, other promotions, other areas of combat sports, and then come to the UFC and exploded. But I, I think this combination of what the UFC is doing, what other promotions are doing, and sort of looking at African mixed martial artists, including what Ryzen did, uh, the man who won the lightweight title, uh, he, he was African again. So I, I just think that this is a big deal. And there's just so much potential in this region, not just in terms of the kinds of fighters that are going to be uh, produced onto the world stage, but from a money business perspective. And that, that is a great thing. There are untapped markets in mixed martial arts. We've heard this for years and years and years. Africa was always sort of like the bottom of the list that people really never mentioned. Well, I, I think that it's got to go almost to number one on the list now uh, of the potential of what can come out of Africa for mixed martial arts, the kinds of fighters that we will see, the success that they will have. Um, I, I think this is a major story in 2020 and moving forward. Um, similarly... 2019 was a massive year for Oceania, right? Australia, New Zealand, undeniable. Again, I mentioned Adesanya, as much as people would consider him a Nigerian, absolutely from this region of the world, Oceania. So uh, when you're representing Australia, New Zealand, and you're an Alexander Volkanovsky or an Israel Adesanya, all of a sudden, the amount of success that they had last year, huge, huge expectations, okay? Much harder to maintain than to get to the top. And I think that's that's been tried and true. Um, it's been something that fighters and managers have always told me in this sport. I think it's not even a mixed martial arts thing. I think just as a champion, it's much harder to maintain your status than to get the title, the belt, or the championship, whatever it is, in the first place. And can these men continue on the runs that they've had? Can we see more talent out of this region emerge in a big way that's going to make a difference, not only for uh, the promoter's bottom line, but for the interest in the fans and in the region. I, the, you know, we have seen, um, I think, so much growth in this part of the world. Um, the kind of growth that I think probably UFC was hoping that you, they would have seen in England and other areas. There were great fighters in England, uh, but it's much, uh, much different. It just didn't rise the same way. The intensity and the interest around mixed martial arts in Oceania is real. It's, it's real. Now it's on the fighters. Okay, is Israel Adesanya that guy? Is he gonna is he gonna run the gauntlet? Okay, can Alexander Volkanovsky retain that 145 title? If the answer to those questions are yes, then absolutely we are looking at a continued sort of run here for this part of the world and the uh, continued growing passions of the fan base there. And then again, that's that's only that's only a great thing 
for MMA. Um, next on the list, thinking about Adesanya, of course, the man's undefeated. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, undefeated. And, and for our purposes, John Jones, undefeated, okay? So will unbeaten UFC champions remain in 2020? Will all of those guys keep the zero in the loss column? Will all of those guys be able to do what they've done? I think, I think it's hard-pressed to imagine all of them doing it. So if one of them's not going to do it, it's going to be Adesanya. Uh, as much as he looks like he is unbelievable, um, I, I just think if, if you look at the, the gauntlet, and that this is why, and I'll sort of jump to, to another point here in a second, um, it's why I think the middleweight division in the UFC is going to be the division of the year. Is it stacking up like Adesanya is going to fit, right? He's going to fight Yel Romero. I mean, he's calling the man out. Then Paulo Costa, once he heals up, once he gets ready to fight again, that's a true test. He's undefeated. Um, so I may add him to the list, you know, if he if if he becomes champion here. And then you're talking about a guy like Jared Cannonier, who I'm extremely high on, and I think at the end of the day may end up being the champion by the end of 2020 at 185 pounds. Uh, for Jones, I, I think he's got a super test against Dominic Reyes, and this is not something that I think people should take lightly. I don't think it's something that you can dismiss of, oh, Dominic Reyes doesn't have enough experience to beat John Jones. Um, he could absolutely beat him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to beat him, but he absolutely could do it. And then for Jones, it's like, okay, do I stay here at 205 or to go? I have, do I go to heavyweight? And if you go to heavyweight, th- then the, the risk increases exponentially, especially if you're fighting the tougher upper echelon heavyweights, okay? Um, I think, though, Jones does not lose this year. And Khabib? Well, Khabib's the question. Um, it's hard to imagine him losing to anyone, isn't it? It's just like he's been so dominant. But then Tony Ferguson's a friggin' madman and excellent and seems to have some of the kryptonite you would need to beat Khabib. So if Khabib doesn't lose to Tony, who's he going to lose to? Who's he going to lose to? I don't know. Um, This will be something that I think people watch throughout the year and extremely difficult to do what they've done and to continue those kinds of runs. Man, uh, it's hard to it's hard to imagine them all three of them lasting through 2020 without a loss, isn't it? So, uh, in that way, I think if uh, if I mentioned already, Khabib and Tony, well, to me, the winner of that fight has a really big leg up on Fighter of the Year. I mean, it's 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 tough to like sit here and talk about oh, it's Fighter of the Year. That's going to be fight. It's like so much will happen that we don't. We can't even imagine, okay? Uh, but there, this fight, if it goes down, I don't even want to say if. When it goes down, um, I, I'm, I'm of the feeling that it's going to be an incredible bout to watch. I, I, like, I, can't, I can't fathom the idea that Khabib Nurmagomedov fights Tony Ferguson. And it's not just like an amazing spectacle. And everything about it is like tingling in your stomach and your like your brain is going crazy it's like everything about that fight is what we love about mixed martial arts and i expect it to deliver fully and i i don't i like i can't temper my expectations for this i just can't it's like this is it so the winner of that fight i imagine has a huge leg up on fighter of the year and the, with a caveat and i and i mentioned it in a moment ago unless adesanya goes through romero costa and cannoneer then you're like okay that guy is just 
like on another level and how could he not be fighter of the year uh, but th- those are the those are the leading candidates as far as I can see heading into what should be a tremendous um, campaign in, in the UFC for both of them um, again so much is the determinant on you know results how it shakes out right so if Khabib beats Tony then what what does that look like for him uh, a lot of people are going to throw the name you know Connor he's got Connor out there you know, I don't know who else at 55 is, is jumping out as like a, a major test. You know, Justin Gaethje, some other guys. But it does seem like Khabib is really picky choosy. And he does have ambitions that aren't just defend my title every time. And he has talked about a short window of how he may stick around. Of course, I don't know. You know, fighters start speaking in these terms and it doesn't really mean much. I don't think it can mean much based on everything we know about how fighters think. But... If he beats Tony and that fight's in April, you know, there could be just one fight left for him in 2020. And if it happens, I, I'm I'm gonna throw out a prediction and I'm gonna say the only fight that gets George St. Pierre to return is a fight against Khabib Namagomedov, but it won't be at 55, it'll be a catch weight at 65. And that'll be it. And that'll be the spectacle of the year. So Khabib beats Tony, then we're looking at GSP against Khabib. And I, 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 th- I think like I think it can happen. GSP is not out out of it. He's still training. He's still very serious about his martial arts. He's still always in shape. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he beats Khabib Nurmagomedov. I don't. That's how great George St. Pierre has been throughout his career. And you know, I, I think it's a tall task. Um, everything about it would be intriguing on all sorts of ways. So yes, uh, I'm I'm saying GSP fights Khabib the catch weight in 2020. This next one is a bit of a curveball, okay? Um, when I say scandal and mixed martial arts, what's the, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Okay, think about it. Okay, you've probably got a few swirling around in there. So the last real scandal to me about the sport of mixed martial arts was the testosterone replacement therapy era. And that that really closed in 2014. And it's been now five plus years since there's, to me, been a scandal in the sport that required some uh, some systemic change, some, re- some recognition that the path that we were on, the direction that we were headed uh, is untenable. We can't go this way. Uh, this is bad for everybody. This is bad for business, bad for fighters, bad for regulators, um, potentially illegal, probably illegal. Uh, there's lots of shady shit going on around here. We can't, we can't handle this. I'm saying 2020, we have another one of those. I don't know what it is. I'm always on the lookout for these things. If you got any tips, send them my way. But I'm saying that 2020, we don't get out of 2020 without having a scandal in mixed martial arts. Okay. Now I say that that doesn't necessarily mean there will be a major price to pay. But I think there's going to be some black eye on mixed martial arts that makes people look at the sport in a very critical way and shines a bad light on some power broker somewhere. How could it not? I mean, it's uh, we've gone too long without something like that. So I'm I'm calling for it. Scandal in uh, MMA in 2020. Put it on a bumper sticker. Um, next one. Uh, again, I'm I'm jumping around. So you know these these things. I, I don't. I, one doesn't have to do with another. Uh, this sort of just was, as I marked these things down, you know, it was whatever was popping into my mind at the time. Um, AJ McKee. 
AJ McKee is undefeated. He has had all his fights in Bellator. He's coming off a really big win against Derek Campos in Hawaii. Um, tremendous submission victory. I think he showed another level of his skill that maybe people didn't realize was there, uh, but that he always told us was there. And he's just he's just 25. So if things go the way that AJ McKee expects they will, he will be 19 and 0 by the end of this year. He'll be Bellator featherweight champion. He'll be a guaranteed millionaire. And he could be the truth. Like he could be one of these guys that you can point to that's never fought in the UFC and say, well, he might be the best in the world. And and like may have a legitimate argument to say that. Uh, so AJ McKee is extremely valuable to Bellator. And he will prove his worth in 2020. And if he runs through the gauntlet and say he ends up beating whoever needs to beat in the next round, whether it's Darian Caldwell or Adam Borix, and then fights perhaps Patricio Pitbull in the final if the champ can get there and and gets past all of these guys and, and he's barely scratching 26. Like this, this is a superstar in the making. It's the idea that Coker had come into Bellator with in terms of developing talents, developing prospects, raising fighters from nothing. This, this would be the culmination of that in AJ McKee. And I think definitely we will learn the truth about AJ McKee in 2020, and he may show us all that he is the truth. And that's that's something to certainly pay attention to and be excited about. Um, next on the list, fights that should happen in 2020 but won't, okay? I've seen so many lists about the fights that should happen in 2020, and this matchup should happen, and this happen. Well, yeah, but here are fights that should happen, but they won't, Okay. George Masvidal against Leon Edwards. That fight's not going to happen in 2020. Masvidal's people want no part of Leon Edwards. The only way that fight ever happens is if Leon Edwards is a champion in the UFC and Masvidal gets the shot at him. That's really the only way that fight happens. Unfortunate. I would love to see that fight right now. Uh, Conor McGregor against Justin Gaethje. I don't think this fight happens in 2020. The only way the fight happens is if Justin Gaethje is champion in the lightweight division. And I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but boy, this fight. And I say this despite Conor McGregor himself coming out in a big interview leading up to this fight. Uh, I think it was with MacLife.com, his website, um, where he said that Gaethje is next on his list. I don't believe you, Conor. Like, I don't believe that that fight is going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. By the way, I hope I'm wrong about all of these. Fights that should happen but won't. Really, really do. Um, that, if, if like the idea of McGregor and Gaethje doesn't get your mind going, uh, you're, you're, you're probably don't have a pulse. That, that's an incredible fight. And I really wish that it happens and I hope it happens, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, next one on the list to me for a few reasons, but I think a, an obvious one uh, GSP against Kamara Usman. I, des- I desperately wanted to see GSP fight Tyrone Woodley. And that, ju- that just never seemed to be in the cards. And I don't, I don't think it's in the cards now. I don't think GSP is going to come back to fight for the 170 title. E- even as good as Usman appears to be. The, what's, the, what's the incentive there for GSP? It's got to come back and be a showcase or something different. Or something that in no way threatens his legacy at 170. That, that's, that's the only way GSP comes back as far as I'm concerned. So a fight against Usman certainly... It certainly puts that in the crosshairs. 
And I, I do think it's a dangerous fight for GSP. I would not pick GSP if he fought Kamar Usman. And so I don't think that that fight's going to happen. It should. I'd love to see it. Kamar Usman would love to, love to have it. I think, I think any welterweight champion who has existed since GSP walked away after the Johnny Hendricks fight would love to fight the man. But th- let, let's make this the last year where we talk about GSP in this context, okay? He has now been away long enough that I think th- this is the last 12 months where we'll talk about, oh, that welterweight champion should fight GSP because I, I think that's run its course. I don't, I, I, you know, I, that would be a tremendous fight, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, another fight that I would love to see, it should happen, but I don't think it will, and for an unfortunate reason, uh, Wiley Zhang against Tatiana Suarez. I think for a lot of people, first of all, Zhang is uh, uh, powerful and the current champion, and there's nothing guaranteeing that she's going to be champion by the end of the year, okay? Uh, I, I think there, there are still question marks about her, and, and uh, there's enough talent in that weight class that there, there may be some struggles for her. But a lot of people were pointing to Suarez as the, the answer to everything in that weight class, and unfortunately, her neck... It's just she's got a trash neck. She really does. And uh, that's a sad bit of business. Um, it, it basically stopped her from wrestling, and it may very well be the thing that hinders her from reaching her potential in mixed martial arts. And because of that, I do not think we will see this fight uh, in 2020. And finally, uh, I think when I say the matchup, you'll understand why we won't see it in 2020. But I hope you also feel like we should see it in 2020. I want to see Douglas Lima fight Kamara Usman. It's a fight that should happen, but it, but we know it won't. Um, I give Lima a chance to win that fight. If you don't give Lima a chance to win that fight, I think it's because you're just dismissive of fighters and other organizations, and you're not really giving Douglas Lima his due. He's a tremendous welterweight. I'm not saying he's going to beat Kamara Usman, but I think he could. And I want to see the best fight the best. That's always been the idea, right? That's always been the idea. And that leads into my next point here, that cross-promotion will be a major talking point in 2020. So we, we got a lot of it with Bellator and Ryzen last year. I think it led to some good things. We also saw some bad things out of it, right? Because Kyoji Horiguchi never defended that title. It was fun that he won it. It was great to see him perform the way he did. It was awesome to watch promoters come together to create a sporting spectacle that meant something. You know, those, those Caldwell Horiguchi fights meant something. And it felt different than other Bellator fights. And it felt different than other Ryzen fights. There were stakes. So I, I think that this trend will continue, uh, especially in the way that people talk about it and are open to it. The UFC, not so much. But everybody else, sure. And if that's the trend that continues, if the wider world of mixed martial arts is willing to work with one another, then I think that this idea will become less and less where fans feel like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, of course the UFC is not going to do it. And instead, it'll shift to, well, why isn't the UFC doing it? What's the deal? I mean, in, in boxing, we're talking about Rival networks getting together with one another to promote on major pay-per-views and, and different promoters getting together to do this. Why, why does MMA need to be so different when it comes to finding out who the best fighter in the world is? And I don't think it should. So I, I think it'll be a talking point throughout the year. I think we'll see examples of it. I ex- expect Bellator to continue to do this um, and hopefully others will. 
There's opportunities for one championship. Ryzen's definitely a, a, a place where they want to host promoters and champions from different promoters. I, it's only a good thing as far as I'm concerned. It's only a good thing. Uh, next on the list, uh, something that I think a lot of us got, grew tired of. I know I did. It clogged up weight classes. It uh, created scenarios that made us have to wait uh, for bouts, for fighters to compete. Uh, just, uh, I don't know that the champ champ thing was a net positive. And so my sense in 2020 is there will not be any new champ champs. I think the opportunities for champ champ status will be limited, few and far between. Uh, and I, I really believe that's a good thing. Really think that that's a good thing. Um, likewise, uh, in 2020, I think we will see a cooling period on free agency. For the last few years, we've actually seen uh, some bidding wars. We've seen quite a lot of action in that front. And I'm not saying free agency goes away, period, because the PFL is an active buyer, Bellator is an active buyer, and certainly the UFC in the right case scenario is going to bring people on. But my sense of it is, especially from a, a Bellator perspective, is that uh, they will not be so quick to bring in fighters who have had good careers elsewhere. They are now in a position where the talent that they've been grooming for three or four years is matured enough where they can rely on them to hold cards up on their own, that they think audiences will tune in, and the fights will be important enough based on what they've done in the organization. I think that from a Bellator perspective, absolutely. From one, look, I think I think one, uh, one helps itself by having names that people know. Um, but at the same time, what's the real return on that? What's been the return for them for having an Eddie Alvarez? Really, um, I, I don't. I don't know that it makes sense. Of course, they're promoting a ton, so I, it's it's hard to say. And and I, I do think that PFL will be the most active in this space because they have to be. Um, you know, we saw that with Rory McDonald, and we certainly knew that they were an active bidder for Chris Cyborg, um, who, you know, got a great deal. So I, I do think generally is a trend that we'll see a cooling off period on free agency in 2020. I also hope that we have a cooling off period for this next thing, um, the boxer MMA crossover. I, I, my, my feeling is that on the men's side, we will see a cooling off of this idea that, you know, it was, it was Mayweather and McGregor and, and, and all of this. Um, it, it was kind of fun. It definitely wasn't a new thing, right? It, but it was kind of fun at the same time. Um, but then it got old and just tedious, uh, my, my sense of it. And while I'm sure there'll be times where we still hear about it, I mean, it, it sounds like Mayweather is teasing the idea of fighting uh, in the octagon or with the UFC or with Zufa boxing or whatever it is. I, I, there's no way he's going to fight an MMA bout. So... I guess we're going to get a Mayweather against the UFC guy in a boxing bout. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, uh, is that something that like you hear about and gets you fired up? Do you need to see him fight Conor McGregor again in a boxing bout? I sure as hell don't. Now, I say that, and at the same time, I would be totally up for it on the female side because I think there's a real possibility for some fun, fun combined boxing mixed martial arts thing happening, okay? Uh, Chris Cyborg, absolutely still interested in fighting Cecilia Brickhouse. And I think that that would happen. Uh, I think it definitely could happen. Um, and, and that would be a boxing contest that I'd be curious about. 
And also, we've now seen Clarissa Shields make a lot of noise. She was around the UFC recently, did press conferences around the UFC. Um, I, I want to see her fight. Uh, she said she would do MMA. I would love to see that. And if, uh, you know, if Amanda Nunes or somebody else wanted to challenge her, sure, I'm up for that. I think there's much more potential for this boxing MMA crossover on the women's side than the men's side in, in 2020. Um, we're getting down to the bottom of the list here and uh, kind of flown by. I, I, I think you guys, the fans, will have a discussion amongst themselves about rules in 2020. Okay? The unified rules, as we all know them, that are used throughout North America and whenever UFC goes overseas or Bellator goes overseas. And what we're seeing out of one championship and Ryzen in Japan. One of the really cool things about what Ryzen did over the final weekend of the year, um, or it wasn't even a weekend, it was just leading up to New Year's Eve, uh, was not only did they have Ryzen rules fights in the Bellator cage, they allowed for elbows too. It was like it was like the best of the rule sets combined. And I, I, to me, that's like a jumping off point for something that people will discuss in 2020 about, you know, what's the best showcase of MMA? How can we make this happen? How can we continue to refine where what our preference is? Will fans gravitate to a different rule set as we see it? It's not hard to access these fights now. It's not, it's not like fans, uh, I mean, most casual fans wouldn't know, but we're not talking about casual fans. We're talking about people like you. Like, are you going to take the time to go watch a fight that you know the rule set is going to be more liberal, more open? It's 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 going to allow for uh, I don't know I'm not going to say it's allow for more violence because that's not really the the case. There's plenty of violence in all ways, but just the style of the fight and the flow of the fight is so much different when you allow these types of rules that Ryzen does. Um, and so, I've if you've listened to me over the years, you always know that I've sort of been more open for allowing these things to happen, knees to, uh, to a grounded opponent, right? That sort of stuff really dictates and changes a fight and opens a fight up. And, and I, I don't think it makes it the sport any more dangerous. You're, it's going to be hard to convince me that these rules make mixed martial arts any more dangerous than it is otherwise, okay? So my feeling is that this is going to be discussion in the sport amongst the fans. You know, what do you like more? You like the unified rules or you like the fight, what's going on in Japan? Uh, do you like what, what one championship is doing? And how does that influence what you're watching? So that's, that's something to pay out. Uh, pay attention to uh, as we move forward here. And the last one for me, and I kind of alluded to it early, and it's not like, it's not the big shebang. It's just the last one on the list. Uh, the best weight class in 2020, I think in the sport, but mostly because of the, the, the way the UFC is panning out, will be the middleweight division. I think they've got an incredible champion in Israel Adesanya, a ton of depth underneath, and viable contenders who are sitting there ready and waiting for the chance to win that title. And when you're talking about y'all Romero and Paul Acosta and Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum and a host of others, that's, that's so fun. That's, I, I can't wait to see what comes out of the middleweight division in 2020. And, and quite honestly, I mean, I'll just say this as we close here. I can't wait to see the kinds of fights that emerge throughout all the weight classes in 2020, because if there's anything that we've learned about MMA over the years, and there's uh, 2019 did nothing to take us away from this idea that the sport is extremely compelling and there's no shortage of fights that we want to see. Sometimes we have to be told why we want to see them. And sometimes we have to be instructed into like why this fight is valuable. But generally speaking, even a fight that you know, knew nothing about and you can sit down and watch 
it'll deliver. Not always. They don't always deliver, but most of the time they do. And I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't continue in 2020 and why all of these things, whether they pan out or not, will be things that occupy our minds throughout the rest of the year. I hope you join me throughout the rest of the year. I hope you uh, enjoy what we're doing on The Athletic. Uh, if you are not a subscriber, please check out what we're doing there. Some great stuff coming from the team as we head into 2020. Uh, and not just us, all sports. I mean, we're, we're, we're really doing some cool things. Uh, if you're a subscriber on Apple Podcasts, certainly appreciate that. Uh, rating, review, subscribe, that all, that all matters. And I appreciate your support. And uh, to you, um, the people who take their time and care about mixed martial arts and are invested in it, enough to listen to me ramble on for I don't know how long I've been going on about this stuff, but I've been just talking straight here. And if you're still with me, thank you. Um, you know, it does mean a lot. It does mean a lot. And uh, know that from me and my perspective and what I'm attempting to deliver in 2020 is the continued coverage of a sport that I do love, but I also look at critically and understand that there are a lot of things that go on here that shouldn't. And, you know, the best way to shine a light on them is to actually shine a light on them. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to do and what I hope you will uh, pay attention to in the moments that we do, the, do, do those things. Uh, okay, that's it. That's it for 2020. I don't even, do you need to pay attention to the year? Because it's all wrapped up, I guess, right? We, we know what's going to happen. Um, but uh, I'm the one who said all this stuff and certainly I'll be paying attention, okay? Um, that's it from me. I am Josh Gross. Thank you as always for listening and we will catch you next week. I appreciate it.